0: It's a new era in Atlanta.
1: I think the opportunity to come in now, um, although maybe challenging, is also an opportunity to hopefully go on a run.
0: Welcome to the Hawks Report, a podcast from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution that gives you the stories behind the score. I'm your host, Lauren Williams, the Hawks beat reporter here at the AJC, and we've got plenty plenty for you guys today you'll get a chance to hear from the man himself quinn snyder who the hawks officially hired on sunday night they officially announced that hiring on sunday night and then we got a chance to hear from him on monday in his introductory press conference he also chatted with the ajc gabe burns and i one-on-one following that press conference and then of course gabe Uh, myself and Michael, we're going to break down our thoughts on what we heard at the press conference on Monday, as well as the fact that there's a new coach in town who's going to start coaching on Tuesday night against the Wizards. So before we get too far into that, if you're listening for the first time, please make sure to follow the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever it is you get your podcast. All right, this is the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Welcome back to the Hawks Report. As I mentioned at the top of the show, Gabe Burns and I got a chance to sit down with Quinn Snyder following the press conference on Monday afternoon, and we got a chance to talk to him about a lot of different things. So without further ado, Quinn, take it away. You
3: mentioned going to school up the road. Mm-hmm. How, I assume that Coach K was a very important person in your life. How, from a basketball standpoint and personally, is he
1: well i could give you a long answer on that one you know it, it um well let me say personally and i think the two things anytime you you know at a young age you know coming across the country for me you know having someone that you know had a very strong vision for what a team looked like and the things that made a team special as he would say those things get instilled in you and you know as, as as a player, you know I was fortunate to be there in the early years. We had really some really good teams and won some games. And uh, one of the the benefits of him being there as long, and this this will continue with John, Coach Shire, is that he was the link for all of us over a long period of time. You know that so there's really a
3: shared bond there, and, and it's it's great that you know he's at the center of that. You mentioned learning from players. Mm-hmm. Obviously, in Utah, you coached couple of really, really good guys all-time All-Stars. What did you learn from Rudy and Don?
1: They were both really hungry to improve, you know, and, you know, that as a coach, when you see guys, that are that committed and kind of thirst for, you know, to to get better, you know, it, it makes you, you know, try to figure out how to make that happen. And those two guys, obviously, you know, different and unique in their own ways, but they made me look like a Probably a better coach than I am.
4: <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of curious when yeah. you think about looking at players and their own individual leadership styles, especially since you said everyone's different. Yeah. How long do you kind of evaluate what it is that kind of sticks out and is good about their styles, and then try to bring out even more of it?
1: Yeah. I, I think there's some, you know, obviously some general things that you know most people are aware of when they watch and see. So to really study some of that, and then you really begin to get to know people and players when you're around them. That's one of the things about, you know, the timing of this, although, you know, been reminded a lot that it's challenging and I I understand that. Um, but I think there's a, there's a tremendous upside, regardless of the results. You know, it's, you don't want to talk about the challenges, but I think you have to, you have to embrace them. And, uh, you know, as far as that relates to guys and their development, those, those are some of the things that um, that you get to see. And part of it that is probably going to be challenging is to to see things and have some ideas about, hey, we can do this with him better and this and that, but to not necessarily have the amount of time to, to you know, to act on those things. But I think you're still ahead of the game as far as figuring some of that out, even going into the summer,
4: and
1: yeah. guys working on their own and then the team, obviously, next year.
4: I mean, what excited you about this roster when you kind of got the phone call from Kyle? Yeah.
1: Looking at it? I think, you know, there's teams that are kind of more fully developed mm-hmm. as far as, you know, they've been together a long time. They've had a level of success kind of that's consistent over a period of time. Mm-hmm. And then there's teams that are really young And this team. I think you have guys that, that are mature enough and, and old enough to – to really have a feel and an understanding of what it takes to be good in this league. And then also kind of a young enough to really embrace some of the work that it's going to take because it's, it's not easy. We've all got to dig in.
4: Yeah. And obviously you've got a guy like Trey Young in this fold, who's a very talented point guard. Just Mm -hmm. what excites you about working with him and kind of building that relationship?
1: You know, I I think one of the things about, you know, and this is true of all our guys, you know, that, you know, going through games together and competing together mm-hmm. is, is one of the best ways to, to get to know somebody. You, you learn about each other, you figure things out. you go through hard times, good times. and uh, as you mentioned, you, you see how Trey plays. like I think his mind for the game, you know is, is something that's, that's a real strength and you know I'm gonna encourage him and, and have already, To be instinctive, but also Mm -hmm. to to
4: be mindful in how he plays. And you mentioned there's a lot of other young talent on this roster, like Oniyako Kongu, AJ Griffin, Jalen Johnson. I mean, what have you kind of pinpointed in their games that you're ready to kind of bring out a little bit more, develop a little bit more?
1: I think to your point, everybody's, some of it is shorter term to what, you know, how can we put them in situations to succeed? Mm -hmm. And then also longer term, you know, you just mentioned three guys that are all different and very good, good in their own ways. Um, so you can look at it in, in a certain way, like what can they get better on? What, yeah. what are their weaknesses to work on, so to speak? And then you can also try to try to see their strengths and how they can take advantage of them. Now, mm-hmm. um, one of the things, frankly, that's challenging about this team is there's there's a lot of depth. You yeah, know? you can't play everybody, and a lot of times that's hard on players. You know, there, there's no way around it. So. Um, I think that's something you have to really be willing to talk about.
4: And I think one thing that we've noticed about this roster as mm-hmm. well over this season is that it's struggled to kind of find an identity of what it is is Hawks basketball. So yeah. when you come in, what are you hoping to help them kind of find as
1: their yeah. identity? I, I, I think, you know, they've had some injuries this year. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you have a team, you know, DeJounte added to the team. You know, other guys improving and inviting the agency you're kind of seeing those things all kind of meld together is really a process, you know, and and there's no shortcuts there. You hope that, you know, you can have success along the way. Sometimes that, that helps accelerate it, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes, you know, struggling helps accelerate it, but, you know, hopefully it will be success that'll, that'll help us get better as well. But either way, you know, those things, you know, whether it's, you know, playing unselfishly competing, you know, those are those are two big ones, and you know, the, those are things our guys got to bring too. You know, and, and some of the things that they've done recently, things like their spacing, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the way we've attacked through the forty-five, and start talking a lot of basketball stuff, yeah. quick reads when they get the ball, when the ball doesn't stick, mm-hmm. you know, and, and guys you know, connecting with each other.
4: I mean, obviously, you talked a bit about what this roster is right now, but kind of looking ahead, I think. There's some news out there about what your role is going to be in terms of helping to form the rosters. So mm-hmm. I guess how much of a say or how much is your voice going to play a role in, in helping to? to
1: yeah, develop you know that that not that specific part of that question, but just generally speaking, I, I think that that's where the idea of a partnership really really becomes important. And you know, I, I'm I love coaching, you know, and that's what I'm here to do, and I'm here to be a resource, you know, Landry's. Mm-hmm. You know, terrific and bright, and hardworking and prepared. And, you know, I, I, we all have confidence in one another. Mm-hmm. And and that's what can make this rewarding. You know, we're not going to get everything right, but we're going to work at it together.
4: One thing that you will have a lot of control on is your coaching staff. So, of course, you'll finish out the year yeah. with, with these guys. But we look at these next 21 games as <clears> maybe informing you <throat> on who you'd like to keep. A board maybe next season. I think,
1: as much as anything, I need those guys to help me, and I told them that today. And and it's they're pros, you know, and they're good. So those are things that you know that are not in the front of your mind. Um, I think we're all connected in that, and having a chance to get to know,
3: you know, that that you know that that's a great opportunity for me everyone has an opinion on Trey and DeJounte playing together. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't have taken this job if you couldn't envision those two working well with right. each other. How, how, how do you see them working? I think any,
1: any uh, said a lot about partnerships, right? And, and that's kind of what a backcourt is. I, I think, you know, them seeing themselves, I mean, they're two individual players, but then really seeing themselves as a backcourt where they can complement one another. Um, I think there's things that that we want to try to do and how much of it you can do initially where you know trey can get off the ball come off screens you know Dijon can, taking you know clap the ball and pick and roll and trey can throw ahead and he can attack you know just on a direct line drive uh, in transition having multiple ball handlers it's harder to develop that just because there's more variables you know um but i think it's also you know it, it can be difficult to defend as well so um, those are things that take time too you know a lot mm-hmm. of times you're figuring it out Questions you're asking about it, you may make an assumption, and you could feel like not miss maybe that you're wrong per se, but that you have to adapt and change, and they have to be willing to do that. I have to do that. And you know, you make progress on that line, and I think that's what they're doing. I think that's what we're going to continue.
4: How Corver told my editor, Chris Fiddlemore, that you're a pick and roll savant. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm curious. I mean, how excited are you guys? Are you to work with a guy like John Collins and, and yeah. Capella? Who are known rollers. for doing that? Yeah. Yeah.
1: And yeah. I think, you know, the way that, you know, I, I heard... When I first started in the D league, someone told me that pick and roll defense gets coaches hired and fired. (laughs) So as I thought about that, I was like, I probably need to look at what the offense is doing. And so there's, it's part of the reason, you know, you have different guys that can, you know, that can play pick and roll and Mm -hmm. they can do it differently. Um, But everything from the location of the screen, you know, on the corner, whether it's in the deep corner, the middle of the floor, the personnel involved in the screen, um, you know, be it DeJounte or tray handling, or, mm-hmm. you know, even small pick and roll with, you know, tray screening, right. um, you know, things you take into account, different angles um, where people are changing angles, you know, that all that stuff becomes, if you can take advantage of all those variables, you become, it's difficult to defend. Right. And you have players that, you know, have a feel for that. Mm-hmm. And you can, you know, even sometimes it involves like, Wow, what did he just do? You know, let me write that down. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then you go to the player and say, "Hey, Dejounte, did you, did you know you did this Oh, Okay, let's do it again." So that's where players can can help that
4: you know, teach you exactly. Yeah,
3: right or wrong. There's been different stuff out there about Trey, and you know, maybe sometimes struggling along. If it's teammates, if it's coaches or whatever, is that something that you ask around the NBA that you research before, or is that do you just view it as I'm going in, everyone has a clean slate? How do you look at that? I think about all our team, you know, I haven't been focused because
1: Trey's part of the team. You know, that this is a process for me of, you know, thinking about each guy and how they can be better and how they can complement one another. And we're out of time. I think Trey's, you know, Trey's excited. You know about this challenge. You know, I think one of the things you can see in him, um, he's a winner. You know, and you know, he, last night, you know, a game-winning shot. And and there's also for him, you know, he's, he's, you know, as transparent as anyone about things he wants to do to be better. And you know, that's something I hope I can I can uh, provide for him and challenge him, and we can all grow together.
4: So Tuesday's game is going to be the first time we get a chance to see you on, on the sidelines. Yeah. Just, I mean, how do you prep for being hired and then mm-hmm. heading onto the floor literally two days after the announcement has been made?
1: Yeah. You know, I mentioned relying on the staff. I think, you know, I think it's a mistake to try to all of a sudden do things, you know, whatever I have done personally mm-hmm. and in other situations that, you know, there'll be, you know, I'm sure there'll be some things that, that will look to continue to tweak and and modify, but by and large, you know what these guys have been doing is you know foundational, and, and you don't you don't want to try to do too much that say, you know, wow, or, you know coaching, yeah. you know because you know ultimately the idea is to help your players be successful, and ironically sometimes you know that is is let them play without you telling them everything to do.
0: All right. Again, we're so grateful for the chance to talk to Quinn Snyder one-on-one. Now you guys are going to get a chance to hear our thoughts on this hire, as well as what we think the future of this franchise could be in the Quinn Snyder era. But before that, this is the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.
5: The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Blustein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nigut, are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast,
3: subscribe to the AJC. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents... Hip-hop's most pulled elements
0: I just wanted to take this time to thank everyone who subscribes to the AJC as well as the AJC.com. You guys are what make all of this possible. If you haven't joined our community yet, we do have a special deal available right now for listeners to this podcast. You can get unlimited digital access for just 99 cents for the next six months. That's all of the stories on the AJC, Our e-paper and all of the newsletters, including Bradley's Buzz from columnist Mark Bradley. That's just 99 cents for the next six months. So if you're interested in taking advantage of this offer, you can go to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts. So you always know what's really going on. All right. So we're joined Again, we're joined today with uh, Michael Cunningham, uh, one of our other legendary columnists here at the Atlanta Journal Constitution, and sports features writer Gabe Burns, who joined me, as we mentioned, in that interview with Coach Quinn Snyder. So. You guys, it's a new era here in Atlanta. Who would have believed that one week ago when we did our emergency podcast about the firing of Nate McMillan, that we'd be back here again talking about the guy who is going to take over for him. So uh, you guys were at the press conference with me. What were your thoughts? Michael, let's go ahead and start with you. The legend himself.
2: (laughs) Uh, well, first of all, I got to take the L because I did not think that the Hawks could get Quinn Snyder. Uh, <laughs> uh, so let me... Let we me, all let, do. Let me leave with that. I was wrong yeah. on that. Now, it turns out to get him that they had to, you know, give him some type of control. They weren't really clear on that today. From what I heard, uh, some kind of personnel control. They had to give him a four years after this one, which is a pretty long contract. Sounds like there's a lot of money involved. So they had to kind of, you know, take some risk to get it. But that's what you do. That's one way you can get an edge in the NBA is with coaching you can uh, pay them what you want give them a contract they want and if you make a mistake it's not as costly as it is with players because you don't have a, a salary cap so anyway kudos to the Hawks for pulling this off uh, I thought it was the interesting to me interesting thing to me from today was Snyder saying that you know I'm trying to do two things at once we got these 21 games we're trying to win we're trying to get to the playoffs but I'm also trying to build organizational culture so that's gonna be a challenge for him is to do both of those at the same time and eventually once the season's over, he'll kind of get a chance to breathe and kind of put his his stamp on the program.
5: Yeah, kudos to them. I also didn't think that they could get him. Uh, they paid a premium, which that's good. They should. Uh, they moved ahead of the market. This guy would have – every single team with an opening would have at least interviewed him and probably had a lot of interest. We talked about that he was clearly the best coach available. And so good for them for going out and getting him. And, you know, you're moving forward here. I almost – they don't view it this way. I almost view you know, whatever happens this year. I, I, I have no expectations, but allowing him to see the to see this roster, to see this team for 21 games plus the play in, and if you make it into the first round, whatever extra, I think that's huge for him. Rather than just coming in and you know trying to figure things out this offseason, so it's a, a really nice kind of trial period with this roster. We used, or I de- certainly used the word dysfunction a week ago. Uh, I I genuinely feel a lot better about this organization with him here. I, I think he's an awesome coach. It, the, he's very well respected ar- across the NBA, and this could be a really um, a really monumental day for this franchise if uh, things work out the way they could with it.
0: It certainly feels that way to the organization. I mean, Landry feels was positively. Giddy when he came out to introduce Quinn and and went into his opening statement about, you know, them getting a hell of a coach. Um, I think we can all agree that Quinn does bring a sense of stability to this organization, something that they very much lacked this season. And so here's what Landry kind of got into at the press conference. Again, we all heard it, but let's take a listen again to hear what he said about Quinn. For us,
5: this is a very, very exciting day. Everything that we've spoken about from a front office, you know, the vision of being a championship caliber franchise, the values of character and unity and placing a strong emphasis on development, that doesn't just happen overnight. You know, it starts with the group that's in there right now, but for us, it's all about looking for partnership, partners that can help us get us to where we need to go and do it in a way that's authentic and true to Atlanta when it comes down to it. And so for us, Getting to know Quinn and getting to know his family and welcoming them to Atlanta is something that's huge
3: for us. And it's absolutely huge for this franchise. And I couldn't be more proud than to sit up here and say that we've got a hell of a coach and we're very excited about bringing him in and helping us lead this group going
4: forward.
0: Yeah, I think, I mean, he summed it up himself that this is a guy that he truly believes in. And when I say he Landry Fields truly believes can help them build a championship caliber roster. Now, um, Michael, let's start with you. I'm, I'm I'm curious when Landry Fields is kind of going through all of the characteristics that Quinn Snyder has. Do you think it's enough to shift the culture that the Hawks have kind of become synonymous with this season?
2: Uh, eventually, I don't know if it can happen <laughs> this season. I mean, it's kind yeah. of a kind of a time crunch. Um, <laughs> it's, it's interesting to me because Fields has come out and said, you know, I made this move to kind of give us a spark. So now there's a little pressure on Fields for that to happen. I don't think if it doesn't happen, I don't think you can put it on Snyder. He just got here, right? But Fields make this move. He thinks that they're underachieving. He expects there to be a spark. So we'll see what there is. There already kind of has been with the with the interim coach already. But, uh, yeah, I think eventually you can do that. But I thought I thought it was good that they were both honest about, hey, this takes time. It doesn't, it doesn't happen overnight. It surely probably isn't going to happen when you get dropped into a season with 21 games to go and you're in – I think eighth place now in, in, the, in the East before, after the weekend. So eventually it can happen, but it's, it's going to take time. Um, Snyder's going to have to get the kind of players that he wants as well. So we'll have to wait and see on that. But it's kind of a, the Hawks are, you know, interesting now. It's like, it's kind of an experiment, a 21 game right. experiment to see if they go on a run and they win a playoff series. And it's like, what, Snyder for coach of the year, it'd be a similar situation as mm-hmm. when Nate, when they went on a run with Nate, right? right? Like it was like, wow, these guys work. But I think, uh, Snyder is going to try to bring more of a, a long-term uh, vision to the franchise than what than what Nate was able to do. So um, I'm looking mm-hmm. forward to see if if he can pull it off.
0: And I think now it feels as though whatever timeline Tony Wrestler and his front office had for getting them to being a playoff team has kind of now shifted again. Because if you're thinking about Quinn being a guy who has a long-term vision, for this team and what he believes a roster that can win a championship is going to be it's going to take as we keep saying time and it's been noted that tony wrestler is not a patient person so this begs the question of what what happens in a couple of years if whatever vision that they have today at this press conference, whatever vision they shared, uh, when they were doing those interviews, I mean, are we going to end up being back in the same position that we're in, in a year and a half, or what's different about this situation? Well, we'll go with Gabe. Um, what's different about this situation versus where they were back in 2021?
5: Well, I said, there's no expectations for whatever happens the rest of this season. And you guys just right. did a nice job laying out how it's going to take a while to change things culture-wise. If you believe in you know the word culture or what that, whatever that entails, there have been things wrong with this team, with this organization. And you go out and get Quinn so he can fix them and kind of restore credibility, be an adult in the room, all of that kind of stuff. That being said there is a sense of urgency here because DeJounte is a free agent after next season, which we've talked about on this podcast numerous times. So you have to have some urgency. If that's convincing him to stay, if that's recognizing that you need to move off him, uh, get what you can for him or get better pieces around trade. However you end up looking at this, you do have to make a decision. It's coming. And, you know, John Collins, been in trade rumors for years. Is Quinn a guy he sees a different way to use him? He wants to keep him around. There's a lot of things in these next 21 plus games that he can look at that are gonna, that's going to affect this off season. But despite this year almost kind of being a write off, again they could go on a run. You never know. A, they could wind up in the second round. But there's just there there's a lot of pressure next season, and there's pressure from the top down to just figure this out because you can't lose DeJounte for nothing. Right. And maybe you end up signing trading and maybe you end up giving him the max. I don't know, but you just, you have to get that figured out. And so there is, there's just a lot more urgency here than there was a few years ago.
0: So again, this begs the question, what happens if in, all right, it's 2023. Now, if we're following patterns of what this team has kind of fallen into 2025, February 2025, where, okay, whatever plan that they'd set into place when they hired Quinn comes about, they've given him a five-year contract uh, for following this season, excuse me. Are we going to be back in a similar position where they've underperformed and they're not meeting the expectations that are of them? Are we going to be bringing in another new coach? (laughs) <laughs> that that's kind of where i'm going is like what's different about this time versus the last couple of instances
2: um well according to them from what they were saying today is it's i think building more of a program than just a team if you, if you read between the lines of what they're saying about nate they didn't really feel like that he was building that culture and which i kind of agree like i mean i think I've talked with Gabe about this a few times. I think I've talked with you about this. Like, you don't really you didn't really know what the Hawks were about with McMillan. Like, what what was their identity? It was kind of hard to figure out. Like, they talked about, you know, playing defense. Uh, Nate would always say, We want to make the opponent shoot over us. They didn't really do that, not even most of the time. They talked about sharing the ball, sometimes they did, sometimes they did. They talk about pushing the pace, sometimes they did, sometimes they didn't. I think player development kind of took a backseat with Nate because you know he's an older coach you know mm-hmm. he's trying he's just he's trying to win he's kind of in a narrow focused on that uh I think there were times where he probably should have played some of the younger players more not just for development but because they were giving right. him the best chance that night that would probably be mm-hmm. my main criticism of Nate is that he didn't really go the field really wasn't there he kind of had a yeah a substitution plan and uh tactics plan that they kind of stuck with it and trying to see if it would work instead of you know if a guy. Was making shots in the first half, scoring in the first half. The second half, they needed points. You didn't see that guy. Uh, if a guy, if they needed to get stops, he had you know a lineup out there that wasn't really suited to that. When you know he had options where he could change the flow of the game, maybe by going with more of a defensive line. So I think, so I don't know if we'll end up in this same place in 2025. Uh, but I think what's different, I think, is just taking this more of a, a big picture, visionary track with the coach and the program than what we had before.
5: Yeah, and we've seen Quinn do it in Utah, right? I think I think at the end we were all sick of watching that Jazz team. Uh, I mean, just the way it was constructed, the guys there, and obviously they were too because they blew the whole thing up. But we watched him develop players. We watched him compete. As they were fifth seed most of the time, or, or they about in the middle of the West. That they, they won three series. Uh, this is a guy who fa- has faced Jokic in the playoffs, the Steph Warriors, the Harden CP3 Rockets. He's he's seen these guys at the highest level. He understands. And the Suns,
0: not to mention the Suns. Yeah,
5: I mean, he's seen all of these teams, these players that are at the highest level. He knows what it takes to mm-hmm. not only get there, but to build a team that is sustainable. I mean, Utah, mm-hmm. it was six consecutive playoff appearances, and he knows how to really maximize and develop guys. So, and that was with. Again, we know Rudy Gobert in the playoffs. You know, we had we had those conversations about those Jazz teams and their flaws for years, and now he gets a fresh start. And he's got he's got some good talent here, and everyone yeah. pretty much unanimously agrees that he's a really, really high-level coach. Yeah. So if you're a Hawks fan, you should be extremely excited about, you know, whatever happens these next couple months, but especially moving forward.
0: And I think a lot of people are excited about it. You dang well know that the team is pretty excited. There there were several players that showed up to watch Quinn Snyder's press conference. I mean, we saw Bogdan Bogdanovich, Jalen Johnson, Sadiq Bey, who's, you know, a brand new Hawk, um, DeJounte Murray, Trent Forrest, who was a two-way player back in Utah under the guidance of Quinn Snyder. And so Quinn talked a lot throughout the press conference about how he had meetings with the team on Monday morning. And he kind of laid out what the plan was a little bit for the rest of the season. And I think one of the things that stuck out is that he talked a lot about it being a team effort and how much he was going to lean on not just the coaching staff that's still around. Obviously, they have to finish out the season, their their contracts in place and everything like that. But uh, he's going to lean on the players as well. And he's he's talked a lot about collaboration. Um, And that was one of the things that Landry Fields identified a lot in terms of what he was looking for in a a head coach, whoever it was going to be, that they were going to be a partner. And I guess when you hear the word partner, um, and you guys touched on it a little bit, we're not sure how much of a decision maker, how much of a voice, excuse me, he's not going to be a decision maker, but how much of a voice he'll have in terms of personnel choices, what he's looking for. So Gabe, he kind of touched on it a tiny bit. In our one on one, but it, it'll be interesting to see how loud that voice is in terms of telling guys like Fields and Corver what he wants what it takes to build a championship caliber roster and i think it helps that he already has a relationship in place with Kyle Corver Kyle Corver seemed to play a huge role in that first phone call of even like him picking up the phone to to come to atlanta so when you guys heard about Landry kind of turning to Kyle to be that initial i guess a conduit i hate that word but seems like the right one, the conduit to kind of opening up discussions. What did you guys think of that? I mean, both of you.
2: I mean, that's a smart on the Hawks part. You Mm -hmm. get the guy to talk to who has a history with Snyder's play him in two different spots and who can kind of give him, you know, who he trusts, who can give him the straight dope. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. what's, cause he sees the headlines that we all see, like what, Mm -hmm. what the heck's going on with the Hawks. So the Hawks know that, that they have this perception problem. So how do you, kind of, you know, help get past that, have Kyle get him a call. He knows Kyle. He trusts Kyle. And have Kyle tell him the truth about what's been going on and how they want to change it. So from the Hawks' point of view, that was definitely a uh, a good move to lead with a guy who already had a relationship with him. And obviously it was enough to get Snyder to listen. And once he did, mm-hmm. he liked what else he heard.
5: Yeah, and giving him personnel, say, to whatever extent. I mean, we're speculating, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, expe- whatever extent that is. Uh, you know, that was kind of the price of doing business. You wanted Mm -hmm. him in here. You wanted to beat the market for him. You're obviously you're paying him a lot of money. Then, you know, you give him a say, but having that relationship with Kyle and now, you know, really building that relationship with Landry, Mm -hmm. uh, you can only, you can only hope for the best. I know that a lot of times when coaches get personnel power, it, it goes poorly. But, yeah. they, you know, all you can do is take them at their word. They've talked about a collaborative effort and mm-hmm. there's a past relationship there. There's a building relationships. So we'll see how it goes.
0: Yeah, I think I, I kind of want to make clear is that by what Quinn Snyder said, one in our interview with him, um, Gabe, is that he, he's looking to be the coach. He's not exactly trying to step on any toes in terms of, you know, be wading into the front office and and being that decision maker or being the person that says this is what I want. But I, I think it would behoove the Hawks to make sure that he does have a little bit more say, um especially because of the inexperience in the front office between Landry Fields and and Kyle Corver that, you know, he does have a say in what, how this roster should be kind of constructed. But for the most part, he just said, and, and from everything that I've heard, he, he's the coach, but I think it would be important for him to have some say. Michael?
2: Yeah, well, the, the personnel power, that's worked out different ways for different franchises. Obviously, here in Atlanta, it didn't work out so well uh, once Mike Budenholzer started getting more personnel powers where things kind of went wrong. You know, they're two different skill sets. Being a personnel guy and being a coach, sometimes the uh, the short-term interests of a coach aren't in the best long-term interests of a franchise, which is what you saw with some of the moves. And sometimes a coach just doesn't have the time to put in, the, the time necessary to put in to figure out all the personnel stuff. I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot to it. So that's what I meant when I said there is some risk for the Hawks giving Snyder some level of uh, personnel power that we're not sure of, but there can be some risks there. But as long as he sticks with keeping the big picture and the overall vision of the franchise in mind, as long as the other people in the Hawks front office and Tony Wrestler don't let him make too many short term moves, if he's so, you know, tempted to do that, then I think it it can work, but we'll see how it goes.
0: Yeah, I think the interesting thing and it kind of goes back to what we were talking about as far as all right, two year or one and a half years from now. If we're back in this position again, what's the difference? And I think one of the big differences, and you have to wonder, is if conflict were to arise between players and and coach, now how does the front office move with that? Is it a, all right, well, we went out and got this really well-established coach. And that's not to say that Nate McMillan was not a well-established coach, but it's just, it's a very different position that they're in. And they, I think they understand that you can't go through coaches in, 18 months every, you know, every 18 months. It's just not sustainable. Um, And so maybe this is where we also see the front office start to, as Gabe was saying, make some serious decisions as far as how they want to move the franchise forward. And I think one of the things that, especially that I've consistently heard about the organization uh, since being on this beat for the last, you know, seven or so months is that they tend to make decisions a little too late and it, it'll be interesting to see if maybe they start making decisions in the right time. And I think being aggressive and going out and getting Quinn Snyder, I maybe that bodes well that they're not going to wait too long to make important decisions anymore. What do you guys think? Either one of you don't. Whoever wants to jump in. <laughs> well,
5: if they actually want to build a culture and mm-hmm. a sustainable winner a good environment that guys want to be in and you know all that kind of all that jazz then they have to keep they just have to commit to the coach and keep them around Ch- i mean duh changing coaches all the time is not that's how you end up you know one of these franchises like the you know the kings have been so bad for so long you end up like that so there's some level of patience required here there's a feeling out process but again they don't have the position they've put themselves in they don't have that much time so they do have to they do have to work with a little bit of urgency but overall I mean when you talk about building an organization from the top down I mean it's okay so Nate wasn't the guy I mean you're right. playing he's your guy roll with it Trey is clearly your guy right now mm-hmm. um, we'll see you know if, if they have a changing opinion on that but right now Trey is the guy that the franchise is being built around so mm-hmm. those two guys have to it's just it's all it's really all on their shoulders bottom yeah.
0: line yeah i think so i think so i think now is a time that we see how guys respond to that new voice especially since that's something landry feels seems to believe they they not um responded to the previous voice that was in the room clearly they were responding to the voice of joe prunty pretty well um so now now they have their guy who, who's expected to be around for at least the next um, four years should he, you know, fulfill all of his contractual obligations and maybe they decide to extend him again if, if that's where we are. But I think we're in a new era. It feels like a good era. It feels like stability is now finally here after months and months of us reporting on the dysfunction that was within the front office. But, yeah, this offseason is going to be, be really, really interesting now that they've solidified who their head coach is. And, uh, Michael, when you think about the future of the, the Hawks franchise coming up after these 21 games uh, in the regular season, let's say right now we kind of expect them to be either playing team or a first-round exit. They make it through that stage of the postseason. What are their top priorities? To go through or to accomplish um, before next season?
2: I think there's a lot more potential offensively with this team. I mean, they should not be this bad offensively. Uh, last year they were great, they were second. This year they've always been kind of middle of the pack and they have better talent than that. So I think, but I think one thing that happened is they kind of overcorrected after last year. They're about going with defense. They figured, man, our offense is so good and, you know, I agreed with it, so I can't criticize him too much. I thought, you know, that was the right train of thought. Our offense is so good. We can afford a little slippage there if we get a lot better on defense. But then you ended up, you know, Herder and Gallo going out. They were big parts of the offense. And even Wright was kind of a good playmaker with that second unit. Uh, DeLon Wright, I think they went too far in the other direction. saying we need to get better defense, and now the offense is falling. So I think there's potential for this team, even now still, to be better offensively, and I think That's what I would like to see from this team over these last 21 games and into the play, Play the the level of offense that they're capable of. Um, The defense is part of, I think, the culture thing that will take a little bit more time. But this team can score more than they are, and if you can do more than they do now. And if you can do that, who knows? Maybe they make a little – they surprise us and make a run.
0: Gabe, what would you list as their priorities? Yeah, I agree with that too. And, you know, it's
5: good you mentioned DeLon Wright because that's kind of like an underrated, like kind of sneaky little loss. That you know, he was he was a a nice complimentary piece. They're gonna, I think they'll be better. Honestly, again, it starts with Trey and Dejounte, and I think year two they'll be better than they were this year. So I think that there's a natural, there should be improvement there, just naturally as they've played with each other for a year and gotten to know each other. Uh, Quinn is going to do a lot of different things, which uh, obviously that's going to help. But yeah, this team and, and I know some people actually debate like how much has this team underperformed? I definitely think it has. Uh, so we'll see. Like the East, top teams in the East are, are pretty good. I think the Knicks are sixth right now. And, they are. You know, the, the Knicks are pretty good. I mean, that's a good team. I think the Hawks can still match up okay mm-hmm. with them. But there's just – I'm really curious I, i'm really curious to see how these 20 games go and what yeah. direction this team uh decides to take and again it, it just it starts with your two guards and mm-hmm. i think that quinn should be able to do more with them than we have seen so far
0: yeah i think what's interesting is if you kind of go and look at the standings I'm i'm looking at them right now and five through eight have opened up quite a bit i mean there's a little bit of a jump between seven and six uh but five and six are currently tied at 9.5 games each so if brooklyn continues this slide they've lost their last two of course one of them being to the hawks you know we can see the knicks move into that that fifth position very soon because they've won their last five you know, if the Hawks continue on the run that they're they've been on, um, particularly taking at least one of those games against the the Heat next week, you know, they can continue to to bump up in that in that standings position. And and maybe if that run continues on the right note, they get into the top six. So it's an interesting spot to be in. Interesting spot to be in. But we'll touch on that again in um one week when we're back here. Hopefully. Knock on wood, there are no more MR emergency pods over the next <laughs> next six or so days. But I'm joined by Gabe Burns. Thank you so much for joining me. Again, Michael Cunningham, thank you so much for joining me. You know, hopefully we'll be talking a lot more postseason basketball in in the next month and a half, which is so weird to say. February is over. But I'm Lauren Williams, host of the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'll be talking to you guys next week.
3: I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.
0: And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody.
3: It means everything to me.
0: We want to hear what issues are important to you. So
3: subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologeticallyATL.
4: Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.